Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. This week got the NBA Conference Finals going on. Also have NBA Draft Lottery. MLB is always popping. Um, some big news out of Mariners camp. Robinson Cano hit with a fat, fat, fat suspension. We're going to cover that. Um, we're going to talk. Let me see what we got. ML, NBA, MLB. Not much to talk about in the NFL right now, but we got a couple other things, a couple other news items. Um, T.O., for one, calling out Jason Garrett. Thinks he should have been fired a long time ago. Can't say that I disagree with him. Um, so we got to cut a couple things I, to cover tonight. Oh, my God. What? Oh, yeah, Where, yeah, how, do you back up, how do you back up T.O. there? What was the first thing you did this oh, morning? J.B., get out of here. CBS Sports with their damn ads again. What What are you yelling at me about already? I'm just saying, how can you back T.O. in this situation? When T.O. is a cancer of this program... And how Jason Garrett had a team at 13 and three, brought them to the playoffs. Yes, they didn't have success in the postseason, hmm. but he's turning a team around that wasn't very good at the end of Tony Romo's career, and now is with a bunch of young talent. But you got to give the guy an opportunity. If he craps out with Elliott and um, Dak Prescott, then I think you get into the conversations like, ah, oh, Garrett, maybe it was held on to a little bit too long. I don't know. I don't think he's the fall guy, and I think Theo is just trying to put a fall guy on somebody that isn't himself. I mean. He is not impactful with the Cowboys. I don't believe he is impactful by anything right now. He's kind of a whining crybaby that I don't respect at all. Um, so that's T.O. I think is in the complete wrong. Hmm. Uh, let me ask you a question. How many playoff wins Fair. does Jason Garrett have in his eight-year tenure as the Cowboys head coach? So he's been the head coach in Dallas for eight years? Mm-hmm. How many playoff wins I would does he say, have? Can I, can I say two? That is one too many. One one I'm playoff win one. in eight years with a sixty-seven and fifty-three record. Um, so, you know, do I like To? Not really. Mm-hmm. Was he a great player? Yeah, cancerous to the locker room, probably. But I have to say, I can't. I don't really disagree with him here. Uh, I mean, Jason Garrett. I like him. I think he's a good guy, but. I mean, one playoff win in eight years for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, if you're going to tell me that that's acceptable, then I guess we're just going to have to accept that 
Cowboys are just a media. In the NFL, over. In the the NFL is clearly acceptable. Look at Marvin Lewis in Cincinnati. He has zero playoff wins. Are the and Cincinnati Bengals longer than eight years? All right. Well, that is an anomaly that a guy would have a job for that long without any playoff wins. And second of all, are the Cincinnati Bengals really comparable to the Dallas Cowboys? I, not the last time I checked. I mean, I neither of their programs are very good. Neither of them really fo- fake, oh, like, okay. pose any challenges. Well, maybe they haven't been very good lately, but Dallas Cowboys are one of the best teams in the history of football. So okay. I think one win, one playoff win in eight years, I don't really care who's on the roster. Um, you want to take not, a real look, you look at Jerry Jones. I think Jerry Jones is the absolute one to blame. He's passed on players. He has mishandled contracts, mishandled his team, mishandled his coaching decisions. That, I think, is a real he's, fall guy. What do you I mean, mean he's he mishandled to, coaching he decisions? You mean he should have fired Jason Garrett? It, potentially, that's, if you want to make the argument that he should be fired, then that's on Jerry Jones at this point. Why is that on Jason Garrett? Jason Garrett can't fire himself. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's enough talk. That was a talk in football on the sporting edge I for get, now. I get fired up about T.O. I don't like any of the things he ever says. I don't really like him either, but so, I, I don't think that he, I don't think he's necessarily wrong in this situation. I mean, the one okay. playoff win in eight years, it's, that's unacceptable for the Dallas Cowboys. I, Least I, amount of playoff again, wins. Out of any team in that division, less than the Redskins in the it's last good, eight it's years. It's a good division. Eh. Is it, like you have two Super Bowl winners in that division in the time that you're talking about. You have the Giants and the Eagles. Yeah, and where are the cow? What are the Cowboys doing? Where have they been? Yeah, they Had a lot of I good hate players. the Cowboys. So them, them sucking has been irrelevant to my life. I just don't even pay attention. It's like the Bears right now. They've been so irrelevant that I don't, I don't really pay attention. All right. So we've almost come full circle that you're now basically agreeing with me, which is good. This is a good thing. Uh, well, <laughs> if that's how that ended up working out. <laughs> okay, so great. So that was football. Um, NBA right now, before we get to the actual conference finals, a little draft lottery action. Um Let's take a look at the breakdown. Number one pick going to the Phoenix Suns, and they need it. They definitely need it right now. Number two, Sacramento. Number three, the Atlanta Hawks. Number four, Memphis. Five, Dallas Mavericks. Six, Orlando Magic. Seven, hometown Chicago Bulls. Cleveland gets the eighth pick um, from Brooklyn via the Celtics. Number nine is the Knicks. Number 10 is the 76ers, and that was from the Lakers via the Phoenix Suns in a previous trade. Um, not going to name off the rest of the teams because irrelevant from there. But, you know, Phoenix, looking at the number one overall pick, um, it seems that, that they're between two guys right now. It's DeAndre Ayton, hailing from Arizona. And then we have Luka Doncic. I don't know. Names are not my thing, but this the, is a guy. The European player. European guy I, playing I for this, from Slovenia. Label the European guy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that looks to be pretty interesting. I mean, reports that this guy might not even come over, which I don't know. Like, I think that could be more of a media ploy than anything. Um, this isn't your this isn't your Ricky Rubio situation. This guy is a projected top three pick. So I, I would have to think that he would have every intention of coming over. But – you never know. I think it'd be pretty hard to pass up on DeAndre Ayton, in my opinion. Um, 
I mean, this guy was just an absolute beast at Arizona. Massive and talented center. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be hard to pass him up. I know that center is not really, really a flagship position anymore in the NBA currently, but I don't know. I, I think that I think Aiton is a game changer, and I'm sure Doncic is good as well. But never seen him play because I don't watch basketball to begin with. I'm living through the NBA playoffs vicariously through the box scores. So that's almost that's basically been the extent to which I've been watching. But any thoughts on on the number one pick? Any thoughts where Cleveland's or uh, excuse me, Phoenix is going to go? I think I think Aiden should be the pick here. I'm not big into European players, and I understand that some of them are hit guys. Like you get Dirk Nowitzki's out there, you got a Kristaps Porzingis, and I mean I'm still waiting to see more about Porzingis. I know he's in a tough situation in New York, but again, he's going to have to do it year in and year out, maybe without help for the first half of his career. So we'll have to see about European players. I'm not sold on them. I like what I get from the college athletes that play here in the United States. And you're right, Aiton's a guy. And I know you mentioned that he is a center, but he's a he's a very versatile center. He's able to shoot, step out and shoot the ball. He's able to handle the ball at a decent rate. I mean, he's not one of those centers that is just going to be flopping around with the ball. He's able to take in the ball and make some moves with it. Kind of like an Anthony Davis. He's not in the same body type and he's not in the same athleticism category, but he has that impact at the center position for a team. And this is a Suns team that needs this kind of center. I mean, they have Alex Ryan, who they drafted, but really kind of has been poor since his uh Yeah, thank God, thank God they got the Devin Booker um, in that draft. And we're gonna cover gonna more. Say. We're gonna cover more of the NBA draft lottery in the playoffs. We come back after the break. But in the meantime, this is the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm and What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge, and we were breaking down. The 2018 draft lottery, talking about the Phoenix Suns having the number one overall pick. Um, and like you mentioned last segment, Roz, good thing they got Devin Booker. Um, Alex Len has not really worked out, which you know I see the even more of a reason to take a guy like DeAndre Ayton. Looking at the number two pick right now to the Sacramento Kings, um, I think they really needed this. This is an, an amazing night for the Kings getting the number two pick because um, they don't have a pick in next year's draft. Desperately needed something good to happen in the lottery. Had a little over 18% chance to jump into the top three, and it happened. They're going to pick number two overall. So I guess this comes down to you know who's going to be left, Aiton or Doncic. God, I even I hate saying the name. Um, Aiton or this other guy, uh you know, according to a lot of the experts, they think those two guys are the best and Sacramento should take either one that is available. But, I mean, you look at the Kings, they, they do have a lot of interesting young players. I mean, Darren Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, don't know if any of those guys is really a franchise player, though. So it looks like if they could add a guy who could turn out to be that superstar and have that potential... This could be a team that's definitely on the rise. Any thoughts? Um, it's really tough when it comes to the Kings. They, like you said, they're so young. There's so many young players there. We're, on a team like that, I understand that you have the 76ers who are all also young. But they have leaders like in J.J. Redick. They have players around them that can help them grow faster. And this team is just going to be a bunch of rookies that are trying to grow together. And it's not going to help with whomever they pick. 
in this coming draft. I think Bagley should be considered, or Bagley. I never pronounce it right. And I've got a friend out here in L.A. who's a diehard Duke fan who, honest to God, every time I say it wrong, he loses his head. But um, I think, again, they go with the Duke player. I think Bagley would be super important to this team. I think he's one of the more um, ready NBA players coming out of this draft. I think he's actually going to be head and heels above Willie Cauley-Stein, and that's not saying much since his NBA career hasn't been great. The Kings are a trash team to me. They're a team that isn't getting any better anytime soon, and it just seems like all their players are under the age of 25, which probably isn't right, but it's just that team is a bunch of young kids. It's almost like a college program, and a college extension program for the NBA. Yeah, I mean, the Kings have just been a constant disappointment. Um, didn't get anything done with Boogie Cousins. Um, haven't really done anything since, but maybe they're a team on the rise. Um, looking at a team like the Cavs, uh, luck finally ran out. After getting the number one pick in 2011, 13, and 14, uh, they stayed put at number eight with Brooklyn's pick. And, you know, while the number eight pick, it isn't bad. I think the front office was definitely hoping for more when they acquired that pick in the Kyrie Irving deal last summer. Um, you know, you look at the future of LeBron James. If he leaves this summer, you know, I don't think the Cavs are going to expect to find a new franchise player in this draft with the eighth pick. Um, you know, Cleveland could try to trade the pick and, you know, get an established player to try to convince LeBron to stay. And, you know, the scariest part of it all is that, you know, general manager Kobe Altman and his staff will likely have to decide what to do without knowing LeBron's intentions. Um, and when you're looking at, you know, arguably the best player in the history of the NBA, keyword arguably, um, this is it's a murky situation for Cleveland. And I guess we'll have to see what happens this year, but our uh, Boston Celtics really taking it to them. And LeBron and Kevin Love just yucking it up after game two like nothing's going wrong. But uh, meanwhile, the Celtics team is out for blood. And I think we could see an ending of the LeBron James streak in the NBA Finals this year. Starting off with my take on the pick and everything, yes, the luck ran out, and that's really, really beyond unfortunate. I mean, this this was everything the Cavs needed because their general management team is one of the worst in sports history. It's go, it, They're going to go down as one of those Cleveland Brown-esque sports general management programs because they have done nothing for LeBron and they continue to do nothing for LeBron. Kyrie, fantastic. was a draft pick that LeBron kind of came into. Kevin Love, again, a trade I wasn't so thrilled about, but there's a point or a case to be made that Kevin Love is worth everything they gave up for him. I mean, regardless if it was Andrew Wiggins or whoever it was, they have not built around LeBron, and if that eighth pick doesn't get traded for Kawhi Leonard or Paul George of some sort, he's leaving and rightfully so should leave, and that brings us to the game. They're down 2-0 to a very... Very, I, I don't even know the word I wanted to use there. Feisty, a team that does hungry. Not, like a very hungry team is right. And a team that is, in my best thought that I've had about it, it's the team that is a college-run team by a coach that is great with young talent. If you think about it, this is a team being run by Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown, all recent college players. And at his most successful point, he took Butler to two national championship games. He's working. He's great with this young talent. He gets the most out of the young talent as soon as they walk through the door. And yes, they have Al Horford, a very clear veteran, but he's even buying into this young team. And they're hustling the Cavs. And I can't say that this is the best Celtics team that we're going to see. I mean, 
I don't think the Celtics team would get past the 76ers again. I don't think they'd get past the Atlanta Hawks. And I think that's a little crazy, maybe, for me to say. But this is still an injury-plagued team with a bunch of young talent that should get beat. And the Cavs are just that bad of a team around LeBron James. There is nothing in Cleveland that is going... LeBron's going to have to score 50 points in a game to beat this Celtics team. LeBron's going to have to average 40 points the rest of the way to even make this a series. It's tough. And it's hard to put it on one guy when it's a 10-person sport. you got 10 people on the court at a time, four of which get to be your teammates. I mean, it's ridiculous how unbelievably bad this Cavs roster is. It is atrocious because you want Korver in the game, but Korver can't play any defense, and this quick Celtics team is going to blow by him all the time. Tristan Thompson with no offensive game can't even help really on the defensive side. It's a tough team to watch, this Cavs team. You just feel for LeBron James. I know how can you feel for LeBron. He's made the eight straight finals, seven maybe. I forgot the exact number, but it's tough, and it's hurting me. I want LeBron to make it to the finals again before he departs Cleveland. But he totally, totally needs to depart Cleveland after this season. Yeah, Tristan Thompson, just looking at his stats right now, averaging five and a half. They're abysmal. Five and a half. I mean, that's, that is ridiculous for a guy who I thought had a lot of upside but just can't seem to get anything going. Um, and, yeah, you look at Kevin Love, probably the second best player on this Cavs team. Um, I think isn't a bad thing, but like you said, guys like Kyle Korver, Thompson, uh, J.R. Smith is a glorified role player. George Hill, uh, Jeff Green. This this team is pretty bad, but I don't care. They still have the best player, um, arguably in the NBA. I'm still hanging on the Kevin Durant nod right now, but this team is bad. But I think you have to give even more credit to the Celtics and Brad Stevens, who I think you could definitely make an argument that he's the best coach in the NBA right now with what he's doing on a team without, I think, probably his two best players at the start of the year, and um, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Um, the team is running on, on all cylinders, and they're fun to watch. Cleveland is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home for Game 3. That goes Saturday night or tonight at 7.30 p.m. Um, I think Cleveland are, will win a game or two, but... I do not think they're going to take this series. I think this is Boston's series to win. Um, and they, Cleveland just hasn't shown anything to make me believe that they can come back. You know, besides they do have LeBron, but, I mean, you look at game two, got blown out by 13 points. Um, game one was even worse, 25 points. We're not even close the entire time. So, I mean, you, you look at the East right now, I think Boston, you know, barring just, like you said, 50 points a night from LeBron, which could happen, don't see it happening. The Celtics, I think, are going to be in the NBA Finals this year, I think, and they make, making it a lot farther than people thought, um, you know, not even after Gordon Hayward went down, but after Kyrie Irving got hit with that full-season knee injury. Um, so, Roz, you got about, got about 10 seconds left in segment number two. What, what are your final thoughts on the East? The NBA Finals is going to be a joke. The East sucks. It's, it's brutal. Either team's going to get blown out by 70. Yeah, I'm afraid that's going to be the case. So let's enjoy Houston versus Golden State while we can. That series is tied 1-1 for a spectacular Game 2 effort by P.J. Tucker and the Rockets. Uh, surprise name there. But that's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss a show, you know where to find us. LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com. We'll be back after the break. 
talking about the West, talking about some Major League Baseball, and a couple other things going on in the sporting world. We'll be back, everybody. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got The Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? I am leading us in. I'm leading the charge. I thought I'd just kind of throw out in the universe where I'm at right now. Currently, I'm on the phone driving down the Pacific Coast. I'm looking at the ocean as I drive towards San Diego, another location for the Sporting Edge show. Um, it's been great out here. Just dove out of a plane, so I'm like an action sports star as well. So, like, I, I think I'm the interview guest this week, to be honest. I think I'm the special action star, and uh, I survived 13,000 feet out of the sky. And, uh, Xander, what was the craziest thing you've done? What was the craziest thing I've done this week or just in general? Right, let's go with this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's been a crazy week. I've been, uh, you know what? I do have a story. Funny that you, funny that you mentioned that Monday night. Um, picking my dad up at the airport. It's supposed to land at 9.30, um, and the key is always leave the house when he texts me that he lands. And, you know, being kind of stubborn, being kind of early in my nature, uh, I left the house at 9.10, hoping that I get to the airport around 9.35, 9.40. With a couple-minute break in between, I get to park under Terminal 3 at American for a little bit, uh, pick, up, pick up old Bubba, and... It's pouring rain, and I get a text about 9:45 that his flight's being diverted to Milwaukee, and they're trying to, they're going to get gas. Not sure when they're going to come back. So I'm driving around the terminals for about an hour, like an ass, because um, you can't park there too long, or otherwise you get a ticket. So I'm sitting in the cell phone lot, um, and it's about 11 o'clock now, and my bedtime never ever gets past 9:45. So I've just kind of chalked this night up as a loss, knowing that I had to get up very early the next morning. <laughs> and I'm sitting in a cell phone lot at O'Hare at 11 o'clock at night. Um, just kind of hating myself uh, because I shouldn't have left. And my, my dad even told me that I shouldn't have done it, but I did. Flight's getting diverted to Milwaukee. Doesn't know when they're going to come back. So, you know, I, I went to have a beer. It was one of those nights. I was like, you know, I'm going to have a beer. Got on the highway and got off at... Uh, at Dempster, went to the Portillo's by Main East High School, and I walked in to the back counter, and they were kind of closing up. I was like, are you guys still serving beer? And they said, yeah. So I, I was drinking a summer shandy by myself at a Portillo's in, uh, I think it was Niles, um, at 1130 at night, out of the big glass. So definitely not where I envisioned my night ending up. And on top of it all, I made the drive all the way to Milwaukee at 12 o'clock 
to pick up my dad at the airport. Ended up getting home a little after 2 o'clock in the morning. One of the crazier Monday nights into Tuesday mornings that I've had in quite a long time. Um, Followed it up the next night with a bowling banquet. Our 32-week-long bowling season came to an end last week. Ended up coming in second place in the entire league. Um, So it was a great first season. Roz, you were a part of it for about the first half before you went to L.A. Uh, So back-to-back nights this week. uh, It was pretty crazy. Uh, Bowling banquet and staying up till 2. That's like jumping out of a plane. It, you that's, know what? That's your jumping out of a plane. Yeah, for where my life's been about the past six months with all the the lack of craziness, that that's probably equivalent of jumping out of a plane. Um, and I give myself a little pat on the back. Won most individual points uh, in the league as a bowler, tied with uh, Joe Lawson. So, congrats to myself for being a just a big time gamer in the in the bowling category. And congrats to the PT Pier. The, P- the PT Pier. Um, and congrats to my team, Georgia's Euros, for having a very mm-hmm. successful year. All of us made a little money back. Um, so it was great. Dover Straits, five-course meal. Got out of there about 9.45. So I had two two nights in a row that I missed bedtime. And um, it was definitely worth it. It's been, a, it's been a whirlwind of a week. And I still got one more day because you know that we record on Thursday nights. Um so yeah, my week has it's been relatively crazy, just equivalent to jumping out of a plane. Absolutely. Well, jumping out of a plane was as fantastic as imagined with the ocean and the mountains right there. But what else is fantastic is all the fake hype going around the Houston Rockets after winning game two. Totally understand the series is tied 1-1, and I'm still over-exaggerating potentially. But the Warriors win this at five. I'm not even concerned. Wow. Uh, I'm going to heavily disagree with you um i think golden state did a good job i think they they did what they needed to do they went to houston they split it um it would have been nice to take two but i never thought that was going to happen because the houston rockets are going to be your 2018 nba champions but like i mentioned before pj tucker uh just a career vet um only made the playoffs for the first time last year comes up with one of the biggest games of his career in game two, played 36 minutes, 22 points, eight of nine from the field, five of six from deep, um, had seven rebounds, four assists, and was a major catalyst in this victory for Houston. I mean, James James Harden poured in 27, but you know that was on nine from 24. Shot shooting. nine of 24, right? Three of 15 from three, though. Right. So not not very good, but the team got it done. Um, and there's some questions going around: Is Steph Curry fully healthy? And like I mentioned before, I live vicariously through the box scores. So I, I can't say for certain that I know what's going on in the series. I just know the final scores of these two games and that Houston kind of mopped the floor with Golden State in game two. But I don't know if you got a chance to watch, Roz. Um, what are your thoughts on the series so far? Steph Curry, uh, Kevin Durant playing his heart out like he always does because he's a, he's a champ, he's a competitor. But, I mean, if Steph Curry continues to shoot the rock um, like he's been doing lately, I think you know Golden State, they're in a little bit of trouble. And I think they're in trouble anyways, but they're in a little more trouble than they were than if he was playing well. He missed some time. He missed some time. He's getting back into it. There is the idea maybe he isn't completely healthy. I'm going to poo-poo that for a little bit. He just, he's been having a little bit of an off of it. I mean, you've seen him in NBA Finals where he goes absolutely cold. Maybe he's getting it out of the way now. But with these teams, they're two unbelievable teams. And Steve Kerr said it best when he said he wouldn't be able to play in this day and age. I mean, Kevin Durant, 
outside of LeBron, is definitely the best player in the country. I mean, his ability to get to the rim, his ability to put the ball in the net from anywhere on the court, it's unstoppable. And Harden, yes, led the way, 27 points. And Chris, But him and Chris Paul are not shooting the ball well. And at the end of the day, those role players on the Rockets aren't going to be enough to beat this Warriors team that is so deep with Draymond and Clay as well. I mean, it's a good win. But like I said, the ser- or like everybody has said, the series starts when you win on the road, and that's exactly what the Warriors did. I feel very confident the Warriors are going to be able to take the next two in Golden State. It's going to be electric. The fans there are absolutely crazy. I'm not concerned. I just think Golden State's a better team. You're not going to be able to keep up with them in a seven-game series, and I think the Rockets are going to be slowed down. I think James Harden would need to do some LeBron-esque stuff in order to keep pulling out wins, and he's not even putting up those 40-point games we're so accustomed to. I don't know. I'm From what I see, it's excellent basketball on both sides. But at the end of the day, if you have excellent basketball on both sides, the Warriors are going to be the ones that come out with it because they're going to play perfect basketball at a certain point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you know this, the series kind of reverts back on Houston now. Can they take one at Golden State? Because we've got the 2-2-1-1-1 format. Um, so I think if Houston wins game three, the series is definitely over. Um, they don't then obviously it's going to be a lot more work to get to that. But, you know, they've got the Game 7 home court advantage, so I think that's always a big deal. Um, and I, I kind of disagree with you. I, I think the I think Houston's role players are going to be able to keep it steady. Uh, I don't think P.J. Tucker is necessarily going to be the answer for the entire series. But you look at guys like Trevor Ariza, Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, who we didn't even mention, um, who put in 27 points as well, 8 of 15 from the field. Um, six of nine from three so I mean I think this team can definitely compete there's a reason why they were atop the west this year um, and like I mentioned Steph Curry Clay Thompson if, if those guys don't really get hot I think Golden State is in a lot of trouble and I think even with Kevin Durant Houston's going to overmatch them and you know that's that's about the extent of my analysis of the series but I'm going to stick with um, my pick from basically the entire year this is the Houston Rockets year, um, and they're going to play the Celtics in the finals, and they're going to win. They're going to win four two. I mean, that's that's just the way it's going to be. You're giving the Celtics two games in the finals. Yeah, because they're scrappy. Oh God, it'll be a sweep both ways. Actually, it wouldn't. It'd be five games if it was LeBron. <laughs> just give them that one. Give them a courtesy victory. Yeah, I mean it's LeBron. He's not going to get swept. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully that series in the East can pick up a little bit. I mean, I don't think anybody really wants to see a sweep or a 5-1 or even a 4-2. But, I mean, right now Celtics are just playing so much better than the Cavs. It's hard to um, it's hard to see, you know, I think it's just hard to see the Cavs picking it up from here because they've just been so outmatched. Um, and even with a guy as good as LeBron, I mean, they're the guys around him right now are playing like absolute crap. Um, and the Celtics are just firing on all cylinders. But keep an eye on that series. Um, Houston-Golden State, I think this this could get to seven games and be very interesting. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. Uh, you know, draft lottery, NBA playoffs, things are good in the NBA right now. And we got one final segment, and you know where we're going. MLB, got to talk about Robbie Cano and that 80-game suspension that got handed down the other day um, post-injury. So we're going to cover all that after the break, but if you miss a show, you know where to find us. 
libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com, and we will be back after the break, everybody. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back at the Sporting Edge, and we are talking Major League Baseball, and like I've been bringing it up the whole show, big news out of the majors this week. Robinson Cano slapped with an 80-game suspension for a positive test um, for a masking agent. The name of the drug is escaping me right now, but regardless, um, Robinson Cano, 80-game suspension and will not be eligible for the playoffs if the Mariners happen to make it this year. This is not only a huge blow for the Mariners and Robinson Cano, I think this is a huge blow for Major League Baseball. Um, You look at one of your premier players of the past decade, a guy who I think was a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, You look at his career numbers, he's over 300 hitter at 2,400 hits. Was going to make a strong push, I think, for 3,000. I mean, he's 35 years old. Um, Was definitely going to make a push there. But Robinson Cano, Hall of Fame future, I think definitely in doubt. I don't see him getting in now. And like I said, this is a big blow for Major League Baseball. You never want to see one of your premier players. You don't want to see anybody get pop um, with this big of a suspension. But you know, having it be a guy like Robinson Cano, who's really been one of the top players in the game for a long time, I think this this hurts the game. Um, and I've never been I've been very outspoken that I don't really you know steroids doesn't really bother me. Like I wish they would find a way to make it safe and legal for everybody. Uh, but you know the rules are what the rules are right now and Robinson Cano this is it's not good and I didn't like his statement that he came out with after um kind of blaming everybody else but himself I think you got to take it upon yourself as a as a major league baseball player to make sure you know what's being put in your body and if you don't know ask somebody find out make sure it's okay and if you do do something wrong and you get caught I think it's always best to tell the truth because we're very forgiving people. I think the best example in Major League Baseball, almost in history, is Andy Pettit. Owned up to it right away, and people don't even really remember that he took steroids now. But um, you take the route of the Mark McGuire's, the Barry Bonds, the Rafael Palmeros, the Roger Clemens, um, and you kind of develop a lot of disdain for yourself as a player and where that leaves your legacy. So not a good situation for Robbie Cano right now. And um, not a good situation yeah. for the Mariners, who I, I thought had a legitimate legitimate shot to make the playoffs this year. But I, I think, you know, that's in serious jeopardy now, and especially the fact that he won't even be able to come back. It's bad news bears for the Mariners. Yeah, I'm like I was stuck on the fence for this one, so I'm against steroids. I mean, you are <clears throat> very different in that sense. I think you do steroids, you're done. In my opinion, I lose a lot of respect for you. I think. Cheating is cheating, no matter how you look at it and to what extent it actually is cheating. Um, but I was stuck for a minute because Miguel Cabrera made a good point. He said that it was a doctor who prescribed him something, but he made the more valid point that everything should go through the league. You shouldn't take anything without checking first. How hard is it as a Major League Baseball player to call a coach, call a manager, call a GM, call somebody to contact the league to see if it's an okay pill to take? And then the second part is the masking part. The fact that people who get caught taking these masking drugs clearly are covering up something, whether it is a PED or something else. So it's tough for me. This one sucks. I mean, Robinson Cano was on my fantasy team this year, was doing well. 
the end of the day, I'll find a second baseman to slide in there for him. He won't make or break my roster. Um, but it sucks. Cause I like the player. I like when he was a Yankee, part of those championship teams, and he was. He was a sure. I think he was a surefire Hall of Famer without a question. And Miguel Spurrier was saying it earlier where he was mad that this will forever tarnish it because once you get busted, you're busted. He's he'll show up on ballots and it'll continue to not go his way as long as he's on the ballot. So I'm I was torn. I think I'm leaning more towards that Robinson is at fault here, and that's unfortunate. I did like the player. Um, but, yeah, no, for the team it sucks, for his career it sucks, for his reputation it's even worse. Well, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough place to be. Steroids always really do bug me. Yeah, and I think interesting, uh, Mark Tejera came out, um, and he actually played alongside Cano in the Yankees infield for five seasons, said on the Michael K show that he was really not surprised that his ex-teammate tested positive for the banned substance uh, ferrosamide that's the name um he said i don't really want to get into too much detail i love robbie but i'm not surprised i don't want to get too much further but i think a lot of people are trying the same thing um yankees gm brian cashman had to catch himself in an interview a couple days ago but yeah i'm not surprised um bringing up the mitchell report and the links to biogenesis he said listen robbie look at his situation here robinson cano's assistant was on the list for biogenesis of course, he's an assistant, you know, buy stuff for him. A-Rod got popped by Biogenesis. Melky Cabrera got popped. They're best friends. He said when someone gets lumped into that group, it's because there's evidence, there's a paper trail, there's a smoke trail, and where there's usually smoke, there's fire. Exactly what happened to Robinson Cano here, and I'm just, I'm a little I'm a little heartbroken. Did not want this to happen, um, and especially with a guy who just, gotten hit in the hand with had a broken hand it was going to be out for it seemed like six to eight weeks anyways um and now it's going to be a lot longer than that interesting that they let him serve the suspension while he's injured um well you technically are allowed to because technically they can put him in the lineup every day while he's still hurt and those will be served as suspension games it is i it's a weird loophole that managers figure out but it, that is that is kind of shady i'm gonna be honest yeah you know i i just think you know the spirit of and not that I really care about suspension is like, you know, why, why should the two things go hand in hand? I think you should serve it when you're healthy because then you're really being suspended. But regardless of the fact, um, it's enough on the somber news of Robinson Cano and the state of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, interesting article on CBS 2018 World Series odds coming out. The Yankees are now the favorites, according to one bookmaker, Bovada, at five to one right now to win the entire thing and another side note uh supreme court came through and legalized sports gambling um made it federal law this week so it'll be interesting to see what that does um in just betting on sports in general i know a lot of commissioners uh including manfred um gary bateman from the nhl um i haven't heard adam silver's comments but come out and kind of made had their thoughts on it and like I mentioned, it doesn't really matter because it's now federal law. But the interesting twist this week, um, but the Yankees at five to one, Houston sitting in second right now at eleven to two. The Red Sox are thirteen to two. The Cubs are ten to one, and rounding out fifth and sixth are the D-backs and the Angels at twelve to one. Um, I, I'm not surprised that the Yankees are on top, but you know Houston with the best pitching rotation in baseball have the top three. ERA leaders and Charlie Morton, Justin Verlander, and Garrett Cole. I mean, they're a scary, scary team. When when Dust when uh, Dustin Keuchel 
excuse me, <laughs> Dallas Keuchel Dallas, and Lance McCullers are your fourth and fifth starters. Um, it's a scary team, and Justin Verlander, you know, goes out on Wednesday night and throws a complete game shutout. Um, just sickening how good he is still after people thought he was done a couple of years ago. Um, I think top three teams in baseball are clearly Yankees, Astros, and what Red Sox right now. It makes it a strong AL, and I mean, I agree with you on the Astros front, how their pitching will just be one of the most dominating things I think we see in the postseason. The end, there are teams still that are struggling. We talk about it week in and week out that are like surprising me. I the whole Cleve, the whole AL Central sucks, so I love that because you're so wrong about that. But the other part about it is the Indians not performing well. They're pitching not great. They're hitting not on when they need it to be on. Like the Indians being bad has been a wild thing to me as well. And then the Dodgers are another one of those teams that's just shocking how poorly they've been playing. You're talking about two of the best teams in the last three years and the Indians and the Dodgers. And it doesn't even look like they're really scrapping for a fight. Obviously, the Indians are going to come out of that division because of how poor it is. But, I mean, they're just barely cracking 500 here and there. And it's been tough to watch those two teams. Yeah, it has been tough to watch. Um, I think it's good that the Dodgers are getting Justin Turner back. Hopefully, Clayton Kershaw makes a start sometime this next week. Um, but yeah, they, they have been a head scratcher and so have the Cleveland Indians, but Rube, it's just the dogfight of the AL Central right now. That's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Um, more breakdown in the NBA playoffs. I think we're going to have to take a little little dive into the power rankings. We didn't get there this week, um, but we kind of replaced it with the World Series odds. Uh, so great show this week. Roz, have a good trip to San Diego. We will catch you next week, <laughs> everybody, you. and have a good one. Bye-bye. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.